Random Thoughts on Wyoming Basketball. Your host, Mark Overman and Clay Cates. Well, thanks again for joining us on Random Thoughts on Wyoming Cowboy Basketball with your host, Mark Overman and Clay Cates. Clay, how you doing? I'm just back from Vegas. How you been? Well, I wish I was there in Vegas with you, but no, I've been digging out from the big snowstorm we had. and uh, But it's nice weather here and just glad to be on here for the last podcast of the season. Snowstorm? When I had left, it was 40 degrees. When I got back, it was 40 degrees. It <laughs> snowed in between? Yeah. Uh, pretty big snow drifts all around town as evidence, but it's a lot better now. No, it was nice. We just got out of, just got out of town before the big winter storm hit, so we were able to make it. Uh, Unfortunately for the Cowboys, it didn't. Uh, they didn't miss. They, they didn't miss the storm. The storm still came for them. But there is a little bit of good news, Clay. Contrary to popular belief, this was not the worst season in Wyoming basketball history. Uh, in 1958-59, they went four and 22, and in 1973-74, they went four and 22, and that's an 18.2 percent winning percentage. Heck, this year's squad was 33.3% winning percentage. 8-24, man, this team is way better than those teams. Well, you got to look for the silver lining, Mark, and that's it. <laughs> that's about all we got is silver linings around here. Uh, on this episode, we're just going to talk about the New Mexico game at the Mountain West Tournament. We'll talk about that. And then, of course, we're going to have to talk about the whole Allen Edwards debate. Should he go? Should he stay? State of the program. You know, things going good, bad. And then we'll just kind of take a look at next year, who's returning, just kind of what we're expecting for next year, what happens to happen next year if Edwards comes back this year, and for him to keep the job next year. Uh, all right, so let's dive right into this one. Uh, starting off good, Clay. Uh, first half, at half, we were up 38 to 27. Just give me some of your initial thoughts on that first half. Well, I just thought the pace, you know, uh, we came out, we got the lead. And it felt like we pretty much just had control of that whole first half. There was a time where we were up, I know, by 16 points. And uh, oh, how sweet of a time that was. Oh, was. We could just go back in time. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like everything was going our way. Every ball was tipped to us. Every uh, re We were rebounding well. Things were going pretty well for us. Um, you know, there was, there was a time, like, when we were up by 16, and uh, we had a chance to really – stick it to him even further and we kind of missed an opportunity there uh but you know ended up being up by 11 at halftime things were looking good and then uh well the second half wasn't <laughs> quite the story yeah if, if halftime never would have happened if they would have just rolled it over from one half to the next yeah. you know we might have won this game but man something happened this team at at halftime or something happened to the new mexico team just and i know basketball is a game of runs and teams would go on their run, but it just kind of seemed like a different game in that second half, didn't it? I mean, it looked like Wyoming went into the locker room playing well, and it looked like they just came out, and it kind of looked like they played timid and scared in that second half. Would you agree with that? Or Yeah, just – I mean, I know they made a quick run on us. I think they got it, the 11 points down to about six, and then we fought right back and got it back up to right around 10, 11. I think it might have been like 12, didn't it? Yeah, something like that. But it, we, it But like I said, most of the – second half you know clear till about 12 minutes left uh things were looking pretty good for us and then at, at about 12 minutes left uh the three ball came out for new mexico and things really started to turn for us and it just felt like then 
everything that was actually going our way uh, in that first half seemed to be going their way, and it was full force. I know this is just a biased opinion because it's your team, you know, and your heart's invested, but there in that second half, I mean, we looked punch drunk out on the court, and it was just like, man, has a team ever been this shell-shocked? But I just kind of tried to watch them because we stayed and we watched all the other games, you know. I mean, when games – teams are going on their run, it happens. I mean, look at what Utah State did to Fresno. They beat them by – 20 some points or 30 points. I don't know what the final score was in the, in the semifinal. And I was just kind of watching. I was like, Oh, they're kind of that same sort of shell shock that we were. So it's nothing new, but it feels worse when it's your team. Well, and everybody that's played sports has been on both sides of that. When everything's going your way, boy, life is great. And then there's just times where it doesn't matter what you do. You hit that wall and everything goes the other team's way. And, and no matter what your attitude is or what your energy yeah. is, you can't change it. But nothing to ever beat the shell shock, shell shockedness. I don't think that's a word. But when we were getting beat twenty-five to nothing against Air Force in the Mountain West tournament, that was a that was an all-time low there. How is it even possible to this day? This is not even possible. No. Like you, you start watching a game. I think it was even. God, what game was that? I think San Jose against Air Force. Like San Jose scored the first thirteen points. You know, it was like I we had a buddy that was there with us. He's like, man, they might get that twenty-five. No, nobody gets to that 25 mark. That's like, that's our record right there, pal. Uh, and then I think, shoot, Air Force ended up beating them by 30, so that was like a 40-point swing in that game. Yeah. All right, let's go into some of the stats in this one. Let's delve into some of the minutiae on this one. Uh, surprisingly enough, Wyoming pretty much outshot New Mexico. I mean, neither team you know, shot particularly well from the field or the three, but Wyoming shot 38.2%. Uh, shot 36.4% from three. Uh, New Mexico shot 35.9% from the field, 25% from three. You just look at some of those numbers, Clay. I mean, especially what New Mexico shot. I mean, was that good defense or was that just their mission shots? And then, well, I thought, you know, there was a combination, especially in the first half. You know, even when they had wide open looks, they just weren't hitting them. And then it kind of got in their head for a while. Sure. Um, but man, when and they missed a lot of shots, and then when it when it mattered, when it came down to that stretch in the second half, they were just on, and so that's where they kind of got their their numbers. And I, do you have the first half percentage? Of I don't. Shot? I okay. wish I did. Because uh, boy, they were they were putrid there for a while. In the because our first half numbers were probably pretty good. Yeah. And then I mean, vice versa. It's pushing the second half. Yeah. Uh, one thing that really killed us, though, was we were 18 to 27 from the free throw line, uh, 66.7%. And New Mexico ended up shooting 71.4% on 25 of 35. But man, I, I wish I had the, you know, the exact stat on it. But didn't it feel like they made their last 15 New Mexico ones? They I mean, did. They hit all their one on ones in the second half. Didn't we miss a couple one on ones? It's things like James missed a one on one. And we, we, we missed a lot of them, actually. I mean, and you know and and we can talk about it here in a second but there was a stretch there when we were up by 16 where uh, or like 15 16 yeah. right around there where we missed a huge opportunity because we missed a, you know i know Notton missed one james missed a, a front end and then we had several turnovers we missed some layups or some just oh, shots now that you mentioned that because i mean i watched like a lot of basketball since that Wyoming game. Yeah, we went to all the other, you know, all the other men's games, watch games on TV. So, 
this Wyoming Mexico game isn't the fresh in my mind. There's more we talk about it comes back, but how many chip shots did we miss under the hoop? I mean, oh, yeah. seemed like Young had a bunch of opportunities. Uh, yeah. Thompson and not had a bunch of opportunities underneath yeah. there. Oh, well, I, I had counted at halftime that we missed 12 to 14, you know, points of opportunities. I know you can't hit everything. Sure. But, but even if you get half of that, let's just say, and I'm talking, you know, like, let's just say we got eight points there. We'd be, you know. Yeah, it makes we, all the difference. You'd be up by 22, 23 points, and that's a whole lot different than 16. But, yeah, those front ends of the one-on-one just kill you, even if you get half of them. Well, even if you make the front end and miss the second yeah. one. Yeah you just feel better but if you don't even get any it it hurts you and i don't of course i don't have the stats on this and i wouldn't even know where to find it but and i think this is another one of those biased things but it just feels like we are the worst one-on-one shooting team in the country yeah. and then when our teams are playing i never seen them miss them no. i know that's just one of those biases like when you're watching a, yeah. your favorite team it always just feels like your team doesn't do the little things and the other team yeah. seems to do them. But. One other one that stuck out to me was when James got fouled on that three, he missed two out of the three. And, oh yeah. And I know just, it. it was just stuff like that. It just, yeah, that, just that was when the whole thing was caving in. So, uh, let's see here. So here's another big factor. We've talked about it all season and it, I mean, it came up to bite us. So even though we outshot them, you know, by you know, 2%, 3% from the field, we had a shot better from them from three uh, by 11%, but they out-rebounded us 45 to 36. They had 11 offensive. How many did we have, Clay? Does four. So we had four offensive rebounds. So they had, you know, we had 55 shot attempts. They had 64, so that's nine more attempts there. And then they had another eight more free throw attempts than we did. So, I mean, you just get more shots up. I mean, I just – we just keep talking about it, but explain this rebounding to me. It makes no sense. I mean, every fan there is saying the same thing. Rebound on free throws. Hit the glass. And then, I don't know, did you get a chance to watch any of the other games, like the championship game? I or did not, Seminole? no. Like, Utah State's out there. And and I don't – I mean, they're not any more – I mean, they have Kata, their big center, their freshman. But other than him, they have a bunch of, you know, 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six, maybe a 6'8 guy. But they're just, I mean, they try hard and hit the offensive glass. And, I mean, it's not like they're the greatest athletes or anything, but when you put pressure on the other team, a couple of them end up bouncing your way. Yeah. Uh, so I just don't get it. I just. Well, I think over time, too, when you're when you're battling for rebounds and, and you're good at it, it just gives you extra opportunities. And, and well, sometimes in a game, that could be six or eight points and win the game for you. Or it just swings momentum. How much of a killer is that when the other team gets a – like they miss and they get a rebound and then they score against you? It just frustrates Oh, yeah, it's killer. As man. a fan, it that <laughs> makes you want to die. Wouldn't you just love playing against Wyoming? They don't even try to get offensive rebounds. <laughs> no. It's just so frustrating. And the one time I do remember, there was one time where Naughton did try to go for an offensive rebound. He just hammered the guy, and I'm sure he got chewed for that. I know. It feels like – the one time we end up trying to go for an offensive rebound, we get called for over the back, and then they're trying it all game and getting away with it. But <laughs> he did hammer the guy. No, he did. <laughs> and I felt bad for the guy, and we'll get into some of the individual stats because statistically he had a pretty good game, I think mm-hmm. 10 points, 5 rebounds. But our big guys have so many missed opportunities, and this is, both seem like they are they dip themselves in butter before the game, and they're just, they can't catch the ball, and it's just going off their hands. and. 
so his parents were sitting right in front of me and they seemed like just this you know a nice couple and you know not seems like a good guy I just wanted to yell something at him but yeah i didn't want to offend anybody no, no. and he, I mean, he played his heart out i mean he, i mean he's playing he's giving everything he's got he's just not healthy and hey being kind is a good trait mike <laughs> yeah i haven't learned that one before all right let's see here uh the assist to turnover ratio you got that one for me clay or? assists uh we were tied at 14 both of us had 14 assists and uh turnovers uh where are my turnovers they are at the bottom there so, uh, we had 16 to their 11 so one thing i do want to mention so this was different than the first game they played us so i think they kind of and i think i might have mentioned it there on our last podcast that Remember those last the last couple minutes of the half where we had like four turnovers in a row and they were full court pressing us. So they kind of smelled blood in the water, I think, against us because we didn't handle the press very good. And that was kind of New Mexico's thing last year is they pressed everybody. And I haven't been doing it this year, but they full court pressed us from, you know, wire to wire in this one. And, you know, we had four 16 turnovers. Now, I, I know this is kind of a 16 turnovers. It feels like. That was about our average there for a while during the middle of the season, right? I mean, yeah. So it doesn't – I mean, 14 to six, fourteen assists to 16 turnovers isn't the worst in the world that we've had this season. But, again, I mean, we got beat in that department because, like you said, they had five fewer turnovers than we did. Is that enough? I mean, should we press more? Why don't we ever try that? Like – Well, and I'll, I'll – you know – Here, let me just say this. Okay, yeah, sorry. It's just so frustrating – when New Mexico is guarding, what did we decide the basketball court was? Did we, did we ever, how far, 94 feet, 100 feet? I don't know what, it, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had that number yeah, in my head I, now, but. Anyway, they guard you on every inch of that court and won't give you a square inch. You know, they, and we just let them dribble the ball and get it wherever they want, it seems like. I mean. Yeah. Well, one thing I think that happened to us this season mentally and I'm talking coaching staff pretty much, is we got into this mentality that we have seven guys and that we everything we do, we have to reserve our energy. We can't, you know, we got to stay in a zone forever. And really, truly, towards the end of the season, we didn't – we had plenty of guys that could contribute on that bench. And so I agree with you. I mean, just change it up once in a while. You don't have to do it the whole game. But there were certain parts like, for instance, um, you know – they want to shoot the three. They want to do those things. But when you force them and press them, sometimes they do stupid things like yeah, they, just, they try to penetrate the lane and you get charges. And there's all kinds of things. Or just that speeds can, them up. And even though they have an open guy cutting the lane, they might throw it over his head or behind but, him. Or, but it gets your offense out of sync and you do some things, you rush some things. But uh, but there's another part of the press I want to talk about that, that bothered me in that game. though. And this is going to sound homerish. But they don't do it, Clay. Don't do it. <laughs> they, no, I mean I. I, I have the. I know where you're going. From, from, and I, this is my number one complaint on this whole game. But I don't I haven't brought it up yet. Okay. Because I didn't want to be the homer on the show. All right. But I'll let you go. Right. I'll, I'll be I'll be that guy. Okay, from a guy that does a little bit of refing, um, on the side, I'm always you know understanding a lot of what happens in a game. I see some things. I see some contact. I understand that refs let some things go. Let the flow of the game be. Uh, try not to overdo it, but not underdo it as well. They try to be fair, call things equal on each sure. side if they're happening. 
Um, but when teams press, and I know this from my coaching days, and I expected it, when we pressed more than the other team or we did, we played aggressive, you had more fouls just because you had more opportunities. Yeah, you're playing, I mean, it's just common sense. And you're playing more aggressive, more in-your-face defense. You're going to create more, you know, fouls. There's going to be more contact. But there are several times where they trapped our guys, especially a couple times on Hendricks, where I just thought he got hammered. Sure. And, I mean, they went through him to try to get the ball and do some things. And I just felt like, I mean, we're down tw- – we, we had 26 to their 21 fouls, and I just thought that was inaccurate. I just felt like they had a lot of contact, and we missed some opportunities to get to the line and do some things because I just felt like they fouled us a lot. That has nothing to do with the outcome of the game. I mean, we had our chances, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying the ref swung it. But I think there was, you know, when a team is allowed to get away with some things, then that advantage that you had early, maybe they got away with some things and it could have been worse. You know, that's just one thing that irritated me. Playing our press is a risk-reward. You know, you're going to risk creating more fouls for the reward of turning the other team over. And and you might give up some more easy baskets too. That's part of the risk. But when the refs call basically even on fouls, because like you said, it was twenty six to twenty one, but we did foul them at the very end to put them on the free throw line there a little bit. So basically, it was an even. They called the same amount of fouls on Wyoming and New Mexico, but they were in just the nature of why the way New Mexico was playing it, they were allowed to play more aggressive defense because, and I you just I, you can't let. You can't let a team get away with that. I just – because they're hitting you. I mean, they're just bodying you all the way down the court. There's going to be contact. I just don't – that's frustrating. I mean, I think it's the same thing, and we've, you know, ha- have mentioned it before, like kind of like those CLC Hawk defenses. They're just going to mug you the whole game, and the refs are only going to call you for defensive holding, you know, every so often. And I think I – is that, is that what it is? Or yeah. just well, they just... don't want to call a foul every time, or they just – yeah, well, like I said, I think refs' mentality is they try, they try to get the teams into a flow of the game, and if they call every little petty thing, the game's going to drag <laughs> on, and, and they're going to be the factor. And don't get me wrong, there is some to say, like maybe, you know, we're the coach for New Mexico, coaches the right principles on the press or whatever, but like if we were to press a team like that, we wouldn't we foul everybody out. There's, there's no way we'd be able to finish a game. We wouldn't have enough guys. No, no. A different mentality for sure so yeah that was definitely one of the frustrating things for me but like i said i didn't want to i didn't want to be that guy i'm glad you are but <laughs> it's been bugging me ever since I, I when i looked at the fouls afterwards i was pretty frustrated with that but because yeah there was just definitely more contact on new mexico but like yeah. like you said i that doesn't mean i think you know the Wyoming's a better team than new mexico or but i mean it certainly i mean you get that's another thing I always find frustrating in sports. They say the refs can't lose you a game, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not saying they did in this particular game, but the refs can certainly cost you a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have you seen it? It just comes down to the end. That he makes the call this way or that way. It changes the outcome of the game. Right? Well, and it could be the difference between being in the bonus early and getting specific guys to the free throw line. Because, you know, we've always talked about how many times, you know, when Justin James is getting to the free throw line a lot, or Josh Adams was getting to the free throw line a lot, it would change the outcome of a game at times. And so I don't know. I just felt like that happened. And 
it, it just frustrates me that the refs don't call that contact, but then they'll call something simple somewhere in the lane or call a push away from the ball. Oh, yeah. Yet something right there blatantly in front of you. I know. There is one point, like you said, and we'll quit harping on it, you know, but yeah. they – I mean, like we said, they're just playing in your face defense, just hounding you the whole way, yeah. lots of body contact. And then at one point, a guy just kind of tried to drive the lane and Hendricks barely touched the guy, you know, and just blow the whistle. You know, it's just like, oh, man, you're not going to call that on this side? And then you're going to call that? But Yeah, certainly frustrating. All right, well, let's get into some of the individual stats on this one. Uh James had 31 points, seven rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block. But he did have seven turnovers. So the 16 turnovers we had, I mean, James almost had half of them. Uh, he played 38 minutes. He was 8 of 19 from the field, so 50%, so that's good. He was 4 of 7. He was hitting his threes. But a killer, 11 of 16 from, from the free throw line. And like you said, on that one, he got fouled on a three-point shot, and he missed two of three. He just – I know you can't just give ultimatums, but, man, you can't do that, can you? I mean, leader of the team, I mean. No, I mean, we just – front ends of the one-on-one -on -one was a killer for this whole team. We met, Like we talked about, we missed several of them. But, yeah, when you had – that was a key point in the game. When he got fouled there, I mean, he makes those three. It really cuts into the – I think it was a five- or six-point lead at that time. And it would have just been, you know, got us right back in. But uh, and, and he did some things though, and, and he played great in the yeah, first half. I mean. He did, and even in that stretch, he was doing some things. He 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 didn't just lay down at the no. end or not perform, but but we just didn't take care of everything down the stretch. But yeah, that those free throws were killer. And I did just wanted to mention here because I don't, I probably should mention the top. So in the media, he made first team, like the media votes on it as well. Yes. So he was first team on that, but as far as like the conference awards, like the coaches, and he he was second team on that. So, I mean, it's tough to. I mean, obviously he had. The, I think they just give it to the teams with the better records. You know yeah. what I mean? So they it's essentially what they did was they put Deshaun Taylor from Fresno over James, and he was on the third place team. I mean, it's tough to complain about that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. Well, it's just winners. Yeah, winners get the accolades. It's just the way it is. Like what are to they? The victor goes spoils. But what are they saying? Like you. history, the the winners write the history books or whatever kind of thing. Like yeah. same thing. The winners get a have their guys on the first team. You know, that's just kind of the way it goes. Uh, any of the individual numbers there? They stand out to you there, Clay? Or well, I was happy to see not. And I like we talked about. He had a pretty good game statistically. Good rebounds, five rebounds, ten points. Um, you know, he was in the mix there. He was making it happen. Yeah, and he had a chance to do some more damage yeah, there, too. Shoot, he could have had 18, 19 points, uh, several opportunities there. But I just um, – I felt like he had a good game, and I felt like there were some opportunities to get him the ball. They didn't do a great job of covering him down there. It didn't seem like when he got it he was, you know, troubled by any means. But sometimes when you're under the basket and he, he just – overdo it and yeah I don't know. shoot it too hard and but but yeah i i really like that um you know hendrix that's one that always live or die by hendrix live or die now he was a tale of two halves and we lived by him in the first half and we died by him in the second half yeah he he had those three threes in the first half and and he was one of the reasons why we had oh, some yeah. momentum and he hit some big shots at times from the 
had a couple in the kept corner. Finding, yeah, but I was, was going to say, kept yeah. finding him in that corner. Yeah, and he looked great. And, and some of those, you know, the New Mexico kind of went on a little run there, and then he had a three, and it was just kind of like a dagger to get it back up to 15, 16 points. Um, so, you know, but in that second half, he just wasn't the Hendricks that we needed that we always seemed to have in that first half. Well, to, um, oh, go, go ahead. I just looked like he was playing scared in the second half. I'm like, I mean, it looked like a lot of the team was, you know, they kind of got shell shocked and just were playing timid, but so they were pressing us, right? There was a couple times where he would get the pass and there was nobody in front of him. And there was like two or three New Mexico defenders behind him. So we had like, it was like two on two or you know, three on two in our favor. And he would, instead of turning and attacking or just walking around the three-point line and shooting a pretty wide open look, he would just like turn around and start dribbling back towards half court and wait to get the ball to James or Banks. It's just like, I mean, attack, man. I mean, yeah. But I just... And I think some of that, you know, I think some of that does go back to that knee. I just don't think he feels like he can go by somebody. You know, I, I've always, yeah. I've kind of noticed he's been apprehensive to to go into the lane or do some of those things, and I think that's a confidence thing with your knee. But I, I mean, I know that's an excuse, but I agree with you. It was frustrating to see him back it out when it looked like we had numbers. Because you or, could almost, I mean, I'd rather go down swing. You know, yeah. I mean, like let's go down playing aggressive. You know, yeah. Let's not go down with our tail between our legs. Oh, no, you're totally right. And and you know, like we'll get it. I mean, we, like I said, we got punched in the face in the second half. And then we got down by six, and it looked like we were going to get beat by 20, 20, 30. And we were able to get it back to be down, I think, what, like 162 to 61, something like that, with like three and a half to go. So we didn't just tuck our legs. But, yeah. I mean, it was just, just just a frustrating second half. I mean, yeah. no getting around it. Uh, and, I, and I don't have a stay on this, Clay, so we'll just have kind of kind of to remember off this one. So we hit eight threes in the game. I think did we hit seven in the first half because Hendricks all three hits in the first half. I think I think James hit three in the first half. Who was the other guy that hit a three? Do you even have it there? Young. And that was definitely in the first half. It was in that corner. I remember sure. exactly where it was. And I think James hit one three in the second half. Yeah. So I was kind of live by the three, die by the three. I mean, that's kind of you know the modern modern basketball, but. Oh gosh, just a just frustrating game. Uh, one of the other things I, I I was a little frustrated with 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 Banks and the fact that he didn't play. I mean, he played thirty three minutes. He'd been kind of playing forty every night, you know. But it looked like there in the second half that Edwards kind of got frustrated with him, and he did have four turnovers. But at least when Banks was in the game, he was giving you some positives, you know. I mean, he had some negatives as well, but. He was also kind of forcing the issue. He had eight points, five rebounds, four assists, a steal. And I would have liked to have seen him play more, I guess, because guys like Taylor, I mean, and I, I'm high on Taylor, but 22 minutes, he never even attempted a shot. I mean, Porter played 11 minutes, didn't attempt a shot. I mean, I don't know if you can have guys in there that aren't going to be, you know, weapons for you. At least Banks was giving you something. Uh that stat's not right. Porter shot the ball once. But I get free throws. Did he? But it says over. Hmm. Uh, maybe he got fouled on that free throw, and that doesn't count as a shot attempt. Mm, okay. Uh, I remember him because I wish he would have just. Well, he drove it down the lane. It was kind of a nice take, but. <laughs> I wish he had a dunk. Yeah. 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 Sorry. yeah. 
But he got fouled and he okay. hit the two Maybe that's throws. what it was. Okay. And I'm not saying Porter didn't look bad or Taylor looked bad, but yeah. Okay. But but yeah, I mean. But then on the other hand, you got a guy like Young who kind of forces some shots. You know, it's a balance. You know. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, and when you look at these stats, it goes back to what we talked about. You know, James being James with 31 points, that's great. That's an outstanding game for him, even above what we would ever expect. You know, I always feel like if he gets 25, 24, 25 points. We're, and it was we're efficient. Get, I mean, it was yeah. a, he shot yeah. 50% from the field, over, 40, over yeah. 50% from three. Yeah, he was the man, and he was doing what he should have done. Uh, not, you know, like I said, had those double digits. but And we had a couple guys close, but – you know, when you look at a close game like this, and I know it was 10 points, but it was closer than that. It kind of got out of hand at the end. Um, well, we've had to foul. Yeah, but you know that if we have somebody else in double digits or even a couple of guys in double digits, this is a whole other outcome. And and so that's what has to happen. You got to have you got to have contributors. If you look at theirs, what they have, they had one, two, three, four, uh, four guys in double digits. And we had and, two. And we had two. And so that just that, that's not going to work for us. It, that has never worked for us. Unless Jan- yeah. Uh, so some of the things we've kind of been saying all season, you know, like live or die by Hendricks. We live by him in the first half, died by him in the second half. I mean, he had, you know, one or two threes in the second half. You know, maybe that changes something. And we were kind of also been ta- talking we need Thompson to be that other guy to step up and hit a three or two. I mean, he hits – and he was over three from three, and he had some good looks. I mean, he hits one or two threes – you know, especially in that second half, you know, might change the game. Yeah. But, I mean, what it could have should have, huh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see here. So, finish up some of these individual stats. Uh, so, Thompson is five points, four rebounds, an assist, a block, one turnover. But he was, you know, two of seven from the field, over three from three. Uh, Young had three points, three rebounds, two assists, one steal, two blocks. So, I do kind of like that he gives you, I mean, 13 minutes. He gives you three rebounds, two assists to steal two blocks. You know, he's he's doing some other things, but he was one of seven from the field, one of three from three. Uh, Taylor zero points, two rebounds, two assists in twenty-two minutes. Zero of zero from the field. Have you ever seen a guy that? And that's, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but have you ever seen a guy less aggressive to shoot the ball than him? Because I think yeah. there's been several games this year where he's played over 20 minutes and hadn't even attempted a shot. I mean, yeah, there's, and, and you know, I wasn't watching him specifically, but at times I see a lot of guys that they get the ball and they just want to get it out of their hands. Where's James? Where's James? I got to hand it off to somebody or pass it right away. And, uh, you know, especially when a team's kind of full court pressing, and there is definitely that sense too. I was sitting there the whole time myself when, like, there was one time where we had a uh, like young, and Porter in at the same time, and they were kind of two of the three guys bringing the ball up, man. And this was in a, the first half when we had a kind of a good lead, you know. It was just it was so nerve-wracking every time, just wanting them to get across half court and be like, get it to Banks, get it to Banks, get it to James. Yeah. And they actually didn't do too bad, I think. Yeah. Hey, I have a quick question. On that, when we had that 10-second call, did that seem like he went 2, 4, 6, 8, 10? <laughs> It seemed like it was fast to me, but I didn't. Which remind we, we me, we had a we had one time where we got a ten second. It was like ball. the. Uh, it was right in their momentum swing. It was like when uh, Buster Douglas knocked out Tyson. It was a quick count. Yeah, but it just seemed like it was fast. But I don't know. I mean, I wonder. So who was it? it? I don't get. Do you Sometimes remember? when you're watching, I, I, it was we got a ten second call uh, in the backcourt, 
and I don't remember who had the ball or what. Yeah, it just didn't seem like 10 seconds. It seemed like it was fast. Well, I mean, I don't remember, but I also don't remember being mad that we had a 10-second call, so that would yeah. lead me to believe I thought well, it was a good call. It was right in the middle of the clustered mess of their momentum, so it was just one other Yeah, thing, just one more so, thing. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I will say we were very close on several other times with that 10-second call all game. Yeah. So It was kind of like getting punched five times in the face and remembering the gut punch, you know, so I don't know. No, Mike Tyson always said it best. It's a second Tyson reference on this, this podcast, but everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And, yeah. that, <laughs> and that's what happened to us in that second half. We got punched in the face. That's for sure. Every guy. So, <clears throat> well, I did just want to mention, you said that James was the man in this game, but I, I, I think I will correct you. Uh, Vance Jackson from New Mexico was the man in this wow. one. Now, uh, <sighs> Sure 26 was. points, eight rebounds, five assists, four steals. Uh, it just seemed like there at one point he could do nothing wrong. He was in the, I mean, he had a Steph Curry three, just guy in his face, seven feet behind the line, couldn't miss a free throw. Every, no matter who we had guarding him, we couldn't slow him down. I mean, it was frustrating. Yeah. And he just, I mean, he's a solid player. He averaged 13 points a game, seven rebounds a game, but it just kind of felt like he was the difference. Yeah, and it just kind of felt like he came out of nowhere. You know, you're kind of expecting Bragg or Mathis to beat you, and then there's the kind of the third wheel that kind of got you. And, yeah, just got to taper cap, and he played good against uh, Utah State, too, so it wasn't just wasn't just against us. Uh, let me ask you this. I, I mean, obviously frustrating loss, right? Yes. But then you say, and I know the transitive property doesn't really work. You know, you know what the transitive property is like team A beats team B, but team B beats team C with team A beat team C or, you know, I mean, it doesn't work like that. You see that in the NFL all the time or whatever, like just because one team beats another team and that team beats them, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that New Mexico went on to play Utah State and give Utah State the best game they had all tournament. And, I mean, that was – they led for a good majority of that game, and they could have went either way. So, does that make you feel better or worse about the Wyoming-New Mexico game that they played a hot – you know, a team that was playing pretty good in the tournament and almost had them, or does it not even mean anything? I mean – Well, I, I always think that – These are the things I tell myself as I try to <laughs> go to sleep at night and I <laughs> try to convince myself some that, way to make us feel better about ourselves. No, I, I think that, uh, you know – I mean, every game, when you lace them up, you don't know what's going to happen. But momentum is a funny thing, especially in a, in a tournament, because, you know, you've seen teams make it to the NCAA tournament by winning their tournament that had no business winning sure. the tournament. And so you're playing on a neutral court away from home. You know, UNLV would be the one team that you would say would have the advantage that way or something. But um, – but in this case, you just don't know. Basketball is a game of runs. I mean, if we could have put two halves together like we did in that first half against New Mexico, I mean, who knows what we could have done in the tournament. And then you, all the other team has to be is just a little off, you know, just a few – have just a bad 10-minute span, and that's all she wrote. And uh, so, yeah, I think New Mexico having a close game um, – you know, that, that that made me feel a little bit better that we we're close to New Mexico. I mean, we beat them on our court. We should have beat them the other day. Um, 
you know, I just, yeah, I felt like we were right there. Well, at least it was competitive. I mean, obviously, I mean, that's setting the bar very, very low. Like, oh, it was a competitive game. You know, they gave it the old college try. I mean, we need more than that, right? Yeah. But, sure. I mean, it was good to see them not, you know, just get steamrolled from the the get-go. I mean, they came out and they were the, the better team in the first half. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention that I really haven't mentioned it is just it frustrates me as well is that I just don't feel like we attack the press enough. I mean, that's how you beat the press. you got to get, you know, wide open layups and dunks, and you got to make the team, you know, pay for pressing you. And it really didn't feel like we did that. We, And this, this goes back to Shia, too. It just feels like anytime a, anytime a team presses us, we just try to beat the press and then set up our regular offense. Does it feel that way to you, or am I – yeah, I, I've always, I mean, even back when we had, you know, the Josh Adams and the guys that guys were, who yeah, were born they, to beat the yeah, press and well, they would go and attack the basket and things like that. Um, you know, you know, would have if if given free reign to do so, yeah, they would. for sure. Um, and that did always frustrate. Can you me. imagine Nance Adams and Derek Cook Jr. like attacking the press and beating the press and all the alley oops and dunks we could have had? But it comes, and so like I told you, it. I think somewhere along the line, we got in that mentality of trying to save energy. And part of when you attack the press, or, there's a couple things that happen. I mean, number one, you're susceptible to fouls like charges. That's that's one thing that happens a lot. I'm not saying that. Sure. That, no, you know, yeah. But you're susceptible to that. But the other thing is, is uh, then that clock becomes a factor, and you don't soak the clock, which Shiat liked to do. The reason and this he, team kind of yeah. adapted as the season went on and the injuries happened. Yeah. And but but Shiat's theory was, we're going to soak the clock on you. We're not going to take advantage of that. What's more valuable to me is that we eat up another, you know, thirty seconds of sure. that clock and keep, you know, and we're going to hopefully get points from doing that instead of just getting the which I think is a high percentage. I know what Shiat was doing, but Edwards was like a Frankenstein of Shiat and I don't know, uh, the Lakers in their heyday or something. I don't know. Showtime. It was just like, he, I, I don't think he knew what he wanted to do. He had a little part of this, a little part of that. And none of it seemed to match. Yeah, no, I, that's my state of the program. Mark. Right there. Uh, uh, Edwards is Frankenstein. You heard it here for, first folks. <laughs> Um, yeah, so a lot of us thought that that transit you're good on this game, right? Yeah, I mean, I am, okay. Yeah. So, a lot of us that transition us to kind of talk about Edwards. Uh, I know we talked about in the last episode, uh, so much for that 38 and three went up at the half, huh, Clay? <laughs> Fine, we, we hear a good stat we mentioned, and right after that, we have a freaking back breaking loss after that a halftime lead. Uh, so I mean. I don't is Edwards the guy? I mean, I don't I mean, I don't think anyone out there says he is the guy. I don't know if I'm ready to say that he's not the guy, but if he's not willing to make changes, then I just and of course that's something fans like us are never gonna know, you know. But the offensive rebounding philosophy, in my opinion, is a deal breaker. Doesn't that does that in your mind does that have to change going forward? I mean, it's just such a it's such a it's just such a difference maker. Okay. Well, it goes back to my Frankenstein comment. I mean, I think he pulls a little bit from this, a little bit from that. And Larry Shiat had, Larry Shiat brought in something 
in his tenure here that he thought would work. Hmm. He thought that he looked he looked at the conference. He looked at what do we have to do with Let me ask you this. Did it work? Because there's a debate on on some of the message boards and amongst Wyoming fans. What I mean, I know we're not gonna talk about this and I don't want to talk about it for long, but I just wanted your opinion on what Shiat's legacy is. Well, good or bad or well, mediocre. The, the one place I'll tell you that it worked is every game. Well, I wouldn't say every game, but most of the games, high percentage of the games that Larry Shiat coached, we were in the game till the waning minutes win or lose. Okay. So in that instance that it worked. But there was also talk about like we, you and I talked about a few weeks ago when we played in the in NCAA tournament, played uh, Northern Iowa. There was a point where the game kind of got out of control and we kind of went loose and started attacking the basket, started doing some other things. Kind of made a run there. Yeah, we made a run and we got within four. Graybo took a three with with down by four and we and it went in and out and it, it, we had a chance to take control of that game because we went out of that lethargic style or whatever you try to do to to lull the other team to sleep so i i always felt like we needed to do more there okay so in looking at edwards i mean i think what you have to do is you have to look at the entire conference as a whole because our goal is to win the conference put ourselves in the best position to make a run in that tournament nine times out of ten that's our way in our ticket is going to sure. win that tournament. i mean that's Obviously, we want to be get to the point where we're considered a large sure. team or something. But, yeah. but right you got to crawl before you can walk. Yeah. You got to walk before you can run. But right now, even the upper echelon teams of our conference, I mean, because there's no guarantee yeah. if Utah State would have lost in the semis or championship, they would have made it even, and they yeah. are co-champions. Yeah, and so you just have to look. I mean, even the top two, we're not guaranteed to get both of them in so i'm just saying nine times out of ten we have to win the conference sure. okay so at least in right now okay so if you look at the upper echelon teams and what what is it what are we missing what is happening you have to go back and you have to look and say what do successful programs do what are they good at what is duke good at of course they have great players all this different stuff other factors but look at somebody like gonzaga okay I mean, they play in a conference. They figured out how to master something. And we have to figure out what it, what does it take? It does take those things. It does take offensive rebounds. And we have to do something to change. Like, what were the factors of the reasons that, you know, teams win or lose in games? If you go statistically and look at it, this would be something Bill Belichick would do. He'd look at the, you know, I know it's football, but he would look at the factors of everything and try to, minimize the negative things and maximize the things that you can change. You can have a strategy for offensive rebounds and which teams do like we talked about, um, you know, certain teams are really good at getting offensive rebounds. How do they do it? What do they do? Is it, is it personnel? Is it strategy? But you have to be better at rebounding. Is it, let me ask you this. And we, you know, I don't know if we, either one of us has the answer to this, but can you be a good team and be, a bad offensive rebounding team in today's, I mean, no. So what is, I mean, so what is, and I mean, I know you can't answer this question. I can't like, what is he hoping to get out of this offensive rebounding strategy? Like you can't just go in. And I mean, you had a good analogy a couple shows ago, like it's like intentionally walking the first batter of every inning or we're entirely playing prevent defense. Like, like what is the strategy? There's gotta be change. And I know when he first took over from Shia, 
he was asked like, are, are what is your offensive rebounding strategy going to be? Is it going to be, you know, the same as like shy? We're not going to really hammer on that. Or, and he's like, no, we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll put a more, more of an emphasis on offensive rebounding. But now obviously he didn't think that was working. And now we've reverted back to, just, well, there's like, two there's two ways he's thinking, and I know I'm pretty sure I'm 99% sure that they just don't want to get beat back on. It defense. just doesn't happen. Though. Yeah, or, I mean, how many they don't want to get in foul trouble? You know, that's that's another thing. When you rely on a guy like James to play 38 minutes, you like you can't afford to have him in foul trouble, which is true. But put I don't care who you put down there, put somebody down in the rebound. Yeah, I mean, all it takes is this happened in the championship game last. Uh, yeah, it was yesterday. So they have Utah State, their point guard, Abel Porter is his name. I mean, he's a lot like Rudy Rudiger. He's six foot nothing, a hundred nothing. He doesn't got a speck of athletic ability. <laughs> and he, no, I mean, that's not doing him justice, but he's down there and he, all he did was he fought for the rebound and it forced two San Diego State guys to knock the ball out of bounds and they kept the ball. You have to try. I don't care if you're bad at it. But if you're not trying, I mean, it just it just sets yourself up for failure. It, and that has to change. And I don't know if he's willing to change it. I mean, like I said, we'll never know if, okay, he's like thinking, I got all these guns, you know, all these guys coming back for next year. We're going to really hit the offensive board. You know, we'll not know that until next year comes around. But I sure hope Berman asked him that question I, because if – if he told me, you know, we're going to stick with this offensive rebound, I'd say, see you later, pal. I mean, this just well, ain't going to cut it. I... And like I said, you have to look statistically at where you got beaten. And I'm not talking about points. I mean, of course, you're going to have to have guys step up and get more guys scoring and those types of things. But part of that comes with more opportunities. Um, but you have to do something to swing those stats in your favor. And if you're continually getting outperformed on the boards, you have a problem. I mean, and let's just go to the great programs, um, you know, and I know, you know, Krzyzewski, Mike Krzyzewski. Would you spell what? that for me, please? <laughs> K, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I know the K, um, but no, seriously, though, he would not allow his team to be outboarded like that. He would come up with some strategy to say, you know, last time we played this team, they they outboarded us by five, and that will not happen this game. Here's what I see. Here's where we can correct that. You know, things like free throws, those come and go. I mean, I that's one area that I thought we excelled at for a while, and then down no, the just, stretch, it seemed like it. Just, those are those are that, those are human errors that you can't. You know, I mean, guys are gonna like, even get if, better at them and things like. And that. I know, I mean, a lot of people just say like, well, we don't have you know Thompson and not, and you know they're not good rebounders which is true. You know, we don't have a lot of our guys are, you know, like some of our young guys like Porter and Trace Young are, you know, real skinny. They're kind of like Dalton and Hernan were when they were young, real skinny guys. But so if it was just a factor like, okay, we don't have the guys to rebound and we're, but we're trying, but we're just getting out rebounded by the other thing. I can live with that if they're beating us just because they're better than us. But I mean, we're not even trying. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, it's just, I can't, I know I'm harping on it, but it just kills me, man. Yeah, but part of the – I think part of the biggest thing of being a good coach is is looking at what the other team's weakness is and then trying to make them fall into that trap. Like, you know, when, you know, Utah State beat Nevada at home or New Mexico – 
pound in Nevada at New Mexico. What did they do? What did they do that frustrated New, uh, Nevada? You know, there was something there that they took away. And I know you can have a bad game as a team and things like that, but there's, there are certain things that teams aren't very good at. And, and what we would do is just throw a zone at him. Maybe man to man frustrated stay, him, and we just zone the whole time. Yeah, but we would just stay in a zone the entire like time. We played so, zone against yeah. Air Force for eighty consecutive minutes, and they butchered us. Yeah, and we never tried to go to a man. Now I think, and I, I mean, it, it's hard to pay attention when you're that intense in a game. You know, like a, you know the tournament. Like I did think we played more man though. Did you notice yeah. that? I, I did. Yeah, I, that was one we, of the things we I did. Okay. Yeah. So that was good to see, but against Air Force, we played them twice in 80 minutes. We played zone the whole time, and they just killed us the entire time. Yeah. So is he going to make adjustments? I mean, it's all good and well to say, like, well, here's what a good coach does. Like, do we believe he can become that? Or, <laughs> I mean, I know it's you're not in the meeting rooms. You're not. For all I know, he tells these guys to, you know, to rebound, 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 okay. rebound, rebound, rebound. Well, I have a question for you, and I just want to – I've always wondered this, and I don't know. I mean, I know the media talks about things. Can I dunk? No, I cannot dunk. <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're, you've got some sneaky hops. Um, no, but on the, on a serious note, though, when the fans talk and the fans are frustrated and the message boards and what you hear people talking about and word on the street, do the coaches hear that? Does he? Is he? Because oh, I, I will to. tell you that he had to know. His wife's that, in the stands. and But he had to know that his rotations were funky in the past. And did he did he still do? I don't know. Did he learn from that? I don't know. I mean. Well, here's one thing. And I am by no means. He had different personnel, too. I am by no means making excuses for Edwards. Because I thought those rotations sucked then. And I think they suck now. <laughs> but look at. Okay, we bring up Justin James' stats. So I would make the argument that as a player, I know like raw statistics, this was his best season, you know, but you look at his stats as a sophomore, and that's the year everyone complained that he wouldn't start Dalton and Herndon. I mean, uh, Dalton and James. He shot 46% from the field, 41%, basically 42% from the three-point line. It was his best free throw shooting season at 76%. I mean, so, I mean – in a sense, he was getting the best of James during that time. Now, is that good coaching or is that just luck? Why didn't James improve? His 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 three point shooting got worse every season. His free throw shooting kind of was a t- trending down. His field goal percentage was trending down. I mean, so that sophomore season when he came off the bench, I mean, he got a more efficient James. Now, I'm not saying that was coaching. I, I'm not. I mean, it might have just been pure luck. But is there something to that? I mean. Well, I mean, I think at the time, everybody was thinking he should have started. He should have played more minutes. Should have been more, you know. And I agree. I agree with yeah. that. I, and, I mean, and sometimes as a sixth-man role, you know, he comes in when they rotate some of their better players out. And and just the timing of the sixth-man sometimes can kind of come in and, and get some things. Yeah, personnel was a little bit different. I mean, this year is a hard year to judge him just because I didn't think he had quite had the supporting role that he's had in the past. Sure. Uh, but definitely, I mean, if you look at who we had last year, we had, you know, quite a few better players, uh, at least some different scores like Dalton and some of those guys. But uh, I don't know. I mean, 
I, <laughs> I just, like I said, is, you know, rebounding is obviously one of those things that's just high on the fans list. I don't know what the media says about it exactly, but I mean, something has to change in some of his coaching because those things don't work. Okay. So does he know that though? That's what I want. Does he know that that's the is opinion he, is of he his Is he going to listen to this podcast and change his mind? <laughs> he did that one time and he came out and he hit the boards and we yeah, won. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got, and I, my brother was actually asking me this question the other day. I can't remember if it was the same, you know, if Edwards is here in the chitter chatter or no, he asked me the same question. He said, does Berman have a sense of the fans that there's a lot of negativity about the coach and this and that? I mean, they got to hear it, don't they? I mean, but it's one of those things like they kind of see in the NBA, you know, with this whole, you know, the whole Westbrook thing, like where like fans will say something to you at a game that they would never say to you in person. Sure. So are people more willing to talk crap on the board or whatever, but when they actually see Berman or Edwards in place, they're just like, good job coach. Or, yeah. you know I mean? But I'm sure they hear it. They got to hear it. I mean, yeah. Uh, but let me ask you that. Okay. So offensive rebounding or rebounding, specifically offensive rebounding. That's, that's a, you know, one of the big negatives for me. What are, give me, you give me in it. What are some, what do you see is the, like what needs to change or are you? Well, I mean, just some of those weird things like Trace Young just disappearing from playing time and just, <laughs> and I don't know what it was. Maybe there were things in practice. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Trace was being disobedient to what he was asked wasn't going to class i don't know i mean those are hard those are things we don't know but still i mean it kind of matches some of the things from the past you know um uh, especially i think the season when you're 8 and 24 i mean this was a season to play some of these young talented guys for lots of minutes you know staying in the zone for an entire game where you just you're just getting pounded on there and and you know just just the lack of in-game uh well that's another strategies. thing in-game like how, how many times do you see it where we have last shot and a half or it's more at the end of the half than at the end of a game but we'll take the shot with seven seconds left when we could have ran it and shot with two and never give the other team a chance and the other team gets a chance to you know score at the end of the half and grab some momentum i mean that's just mm-hmm. unacceptable and we just continually do it, but that seems like a couple – I mean, that seems like a Shia thing as well. I mean – Yeah, and this is such a hard season to judge just because of our personnel and some of the changes. But it, like I said, it just seemed like when we kind of did get guys and we never – I mean, we went back a little bit. We, I, I think we started scoring. We kind of got out of that Shia uh, type offense a little bit more. And But like I said, I felt – I still felt like we were a Frankenstein. We were a little piece of here, a little piece of there and we just didn't really have a philosophy it was inconsistent oh. but one other thing i wanted to say on the just the games the games that really stuck with me and i'll just say one game because i know we got to move on here but the, oh, no. the first air force game and the last air force game were the exact same game and we made zero adjustments the only difference was at least defensively i would agree and it was like you know we pretty much had the same out output on offense, but so did they. And we just did nothing to adjust. And it was almost like he felt like, well, they must've just been lucky and hot that first game. So we'll just keep doing what we're doing. And I was, that's what kind of sent me over the edge that, 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 that yeah. yeah. So let me just say a couple of things. So I just did want to mention this. So 
we're doing this podcast, you know, Sunday night. They lost on Wednesday. So by all appearances, it doesn't seem like Edwards is going to be fired. So, I mean, Ian's been saying that all season. I mean, we probably both probably thought he wasn't going to be fired just mm-hmm. with all the injuries and whatnot. So as we sit now, I mean, it doesn't look like he's going to be fired. So I just wanted to let the, the audience know that. So, but let me go back to what you're saying. So you were saying the injuries and, you know, you can't really judge him on this season. And I'm not saying I disagree with you, but let me just play devil's advocate here. Isn't that his fault that he only, you know, that he hasn't really recruited well, that he didn't recruit, you know, other than Naughton and Thompson and Naughton, he didn't even recruit, that he didn't recruit another big guy to play in the middle. And, you know, so isn't part of that his fault as well or, or not? Like you tell me. I, well, I mean, I think our team lacked balance in the area. We, we, in those areas where we didn't have any, we didn't have enough big guys. We had Naughton, but of course, then he was injured and did some things. Seemed like he got stronger as the year went on. But he can still never give you over, you know, yeah. 20 minutes at a, at a, at a maximum. Yeah. I mean, but then you got Thompson who doesn't really match the, the requirements for the position that he was asked to play this athletically. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, he's got to be able to balance out that team to say, Hey, like, like I told you, a good coach will look at all the people that are in the conference and say, okay, what strengths do they have and how do we match them personnel wise? And we do not match personnel wise. We're, we're getting killed in that area. We have to have a a big man and, and he did not have that uh, depth wise on our roster. So yeah, that's his fault. So, but let me ask you this. So let me play devil advocate to my devil advocate. So let's say you have a good, and okay. So we have two recruits this season coming in, right? So Kenny Foster, I'm called, well, they're both from Denver, Kenny Foster and Quan Marble. So I've watched a lot of Kenny Foster. And I know a lot more about him. I don't know as much about Quan Marble. So I'm really high on Foster. I mean, he looks like, you know, he looks like a very good player. He looks like he could be, you know, a great cowboy. So, but he's another six-five guard forward wing type player. So, do you t- you know you need a couple big guys. You have two scholarships, but a guy that you think can be a great player, and maybe he's better than some of the other guys that you've been recruiting, and he says, "Okay, I'm willing to commit to Wyoming." Do you take that commitment? I mean. Or do you say, like, no, we need a big? I mean, it's hard to turn down a great player, right? I mean, yeah. so that's just, it's kind of a catch-22. So, And I think that's kind of the white whale in college basketball now is the big guys, and everyone's out there looking for them, so it's hard to do. I I mean, I think we probably have more questions than we have answers. But Well, and you're right. I mean, those guys are hard to find. But, shoot, even if you had a, a 6'9 beast, you know, somebody that's just a – I mean, yeah, you just got to have somebody. Just a 6'10 athletic guy that even if he has no offensive game, can just kind of go and battle some of these other guys and be a rebounder, be a shot blocker. I mean, like like I said, I, I mean, I always think of Leonard Washington. That's the guy that – and I know we had other guys that were as good or better than him. He's that, always He was only 6'7", Clay. But that guy owned his space. And I don't care who was in there. I don't care if Shaq was in there. He would have had – he he, Shaq was not going to get around him to get a rebound over him. That guy owned his space. He was the man in there, and uh, I just that's a guy that I always think about. The type of player we need is a guy that completely owns that paint. When that ball goes up off that rim, you you have no doubt that if he's in the area, it's his ball. Yeah, darn. I had something I had to say, but I forgot. 
I really did forget it. So the guy that you always, this isn't what I had to say, just for the record. But the guy you always kind of come back to on that is like, man, really, uh, Washington. The guy I kind of wish that we had on this team is, is Justin Williams, you know, just like oh, yeah. not a great offensive player, but just, you know, great rebounder. I mean, great shot blocker. Just yeah. no, same, same kind of like Kata for New Mexico, uh, for Utah State. He just changes the game for those guys. I mean, puts a guy in there. If he's not blocking shots, he's altering shots. Yeah. I just think that would make a big difference for us. And going forward, so kind of looking at towards next year. Uh, so we lose James. Uh, he's the only senior that we lose. I mean, other than the guy like Redding is already gone. So we only have one available. Oh, we lose not as well. What am I talking about? So we had three scholarships available. Well, we had them uh, with Luol Dung leaving and James and on. So we had three scholarships available. We've already got two guys committed coming in. Uh, like I said, Kenny Foster and Quan Marble, both six five guys that are guard forwards. Uh, so they'll be freshmen along with Belt, uh, Bradley Belt, and Tyreek Johnson if Johnson comes back. And there's been some rumors on his health condition because he's had a heart thing, but no one really knows. So that would give us four freshmen. Uh, we'd have a loaded sophomore class with the uh, with the Hunters, Maldonado and Thompson, Trace Young, Taylor, Mueller, Porter, Fordstrom. I mean, he's a walk-on. He's probably not going to play, but I would imagine he'd come back next year and be part of the basketball team. Uh, and then Hendricks and Banks as seniors, and we have no juniors, and we have one scholarship available. It's the most obvious thing in the world, but what do we need in that one scholarship? <laughs> well, we got to go. We need another uh, wing. We got to bring somebody from uh, – get, get us a – you know, sophomore or somebody from another college. I don't know, junior college. I don't know who's out there, but, you know, we missed some opportunities over the years where we had, a, like, a big guy, uh, even, in, Gillette. even in Gillette, Wyoming. And we, yeah, well, when those guys and, get, and I know, go to was, Oregon was or the big, big D. Williams or something like that. I can't remember the guy, but, uh, yeah, and, of course, he had other huge opportunities and, you know, a guy that had no real ties to Wyoming. Well, there was another guy like Chris Boucher or whatever. The oh, yeah. yeah. He played somewhere at J.C. in Wyoming, right? Yeah. But, yeah, you can't blame those guys for going to Oregon. No, or absolutely or not. But, boy, you'd sure wish that somebody – Oh, yeah, it would be a difference waiter yeah. for us, for sure. Just say, hey, Wyoming can use more Powell guys, you know. Gillette <laughs> guys. We need, uh, we need more Pines Bluff guys. Two is not enough. <laughs> um, so, where do you, okay, let's just – and we're going to kind of wrap this into the whole Edwards debate because that's kind of where I've been all season is where if he brings every one of these guys back, I mean, barring, like, say, a Tyreek Johnson who's not healthy and can't play or something like that. So, if he brings all these guys back, I'm willing to give him next year and see how things go because I think you have a nice young core. Like I said, I'm big on Foster. Uh, I know – a lot of people probably don't know a lot about Bradley Bell, but he looks like a he's six four. He's kind of a combo guard. He can play the point. He can looks like he's a pretty good three point shooter. You know, looks like a good basketball player. Uh, so I'm high on those two freshmen, and then uh, the several of these sophomores I'm very high on. Uh, I think Maldonado can be, you know, a first teamer by the time he's done. I think Thompson could be a dominant scorer in his career. I mean, I don't think he'll ever be a great defender. I mean, I think young could be a, a potential first team type play. I think he's got that talent. Now I don't know 
you know, with Edwards, if he can develop him, I don't know. That's uh, I think Taylor uh, can be a, the ultimate glue guy, just kind of a good defender, not going to make mistakes. And he should, you know, progress more as the score as we go on. Uh, Mueller, I don't know what, I mean, I think he could be like a good eighth guy, you know, on the bench, kind of come in, get a hustle. Uh, I think Porter has a, I, and this is kind of a hot take for you. I think Porter might have the highest ceiling on this team. I just, he is just so raw though. He is very, raw. but there's just times where he just, he strides. So he's got long strides and he covers a lot of ground. He's a pretty good shooter. I mean, yeah. he's athletic and he's got a good shot. Now he's needed to round out his whole, the rest of his game, but. You know, he, real quick on Porter, he kind of reminds me of this, not the same type of player. As a baby giraffe well, who doesn't know how to <laughs> run. Yeah, it's like that one coming out of the thing that yeah. falls on the internet. Um, no, but, you know, if, if, if he does get confidence, if he does just, you know, that little bit of athleticism just clicks in his college body. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I mean, when he was in high school, he probably dominated everything uh, he did, you know. I think um, last year, and I – I mean, I don't think anyone here in Wyoming knows a whole lot about prep school level basketball, like in between college and they go for a year. Like he averaged like over 20 points and 10 rebounds a game. I mean, I don't yeah. know what the competition but, level is. But, but my, I, he kind of reminds me he's in that same boat as uh, Derek Cook. Uh, Derek Cook Washington. Derek Cook Jr. Sorry. Uh, Derek Washington. Is Derek Cook Washington would have been a hell of a player. <laughs> Derek Cook Jr. So, and not not the same type of player uh, physically, but that you and I talked about that. We were just hoping at one time he Derek Cook Jr. just needs to pull the trigger and just go do those. Things, they would have just know? decided I'm going to dunk everything. Yeah, and then one day he, that just clicked, and he just became that player where he was actually a force to be reckoned with on our team. And I think that Porter has that same ability. You can see some glimmers of of like flashes of brilliance all of a sudden these little pockets of success and then there's times where you're like what did he just do and so um <laughs> and so but i do see what you're saying i do believe that ceiling is so high for him he is an athlete he has and i mean one thing i mean a lot of these guys i mean even though maybe young and the reporter didn't play as much as we would have played on this season i mean they got probably more time than they would have originally right yeah. uh so what is your – okay, let me – okay, and then obviously, so let's just wrap it up for next season. We have Hendricks and Banks coming back as seniors. I don't know if I said that. So what are your expectations for next season? Like, and what – and then let's wrap that into the Edwards. Like, what do we need to see next season for Edwards to be – not only be back next year, but thinking maybe he is the long-term answer at coach. Okay. Well, first of all, I I believe Maldonado has the potential to be a Justin James type player. I mean, I think he has. Uh, I'm not saying he's as good as James right now or anything. So like I that. agree, and let me just cut in here because I remembered what I wanted to say earlier. Okay, yeah, uh, was that in the post game press conference that Edwards said, and I thought it was kind of, I was surprised that he said it, is that he said Maldonado is the best leader he's ever been around. The on the court in the classroom, even though he was hurt, he was still staying involved with the young guys. Mm-hmm. So if he's as good as we both think he is, and he's going to be a sophomore next year, so he's going to have three years with the rest of these young core. And uh, maybe he wasn't quite healthy to even begin the year. You know, he was always having those back issues. And somehow he comes back 
and he's the player that we hope he could be. I mean, I'll let you finish your yeah. thought there. Well, I, other than that, I think we do have a lot of talent on this team, and I think it just needs to gel. Um, but I do think that, you know, these guys, there was enough experience this year to be able to, uh, you know, when they go into this offseason, they can improve on those things. That's the good thing about playing time. Not all of them had the same because we had injuries and all kinds of that stuff. But I just feel like there's a lot of potential athleticism. Some of these new guys come in. I don't know what they could contribute early, but we'll see. Um, I would hope that we could find that big man, that somebody that could come in, um, maybe an incoming freshman or sophomore, or I'm sorry, sophomore or junior uh, from junior college route. Uh, Hopefully we could find somebody like that that could fill in. But the biggest thing I think is just, I really liked when we were doing some of those things at the pace where we got into some of those high, higher scoring numbers. I like the pace of that game on offense, but I think we got to be more um, consistent on defense of switching up and, and making it tough for the other teams to kind of adjust to what we do. And number one, I think is what we've talked about immensely this year is just, we've got to figure out a different strategy for rebounding. So those are the things that I'd like to see our team do different. Okay. So there's been a lot of talk on some of the message boards. Like obviously we're losing Justin James, all time, great Wyoming cowboy. Uh, we're not really adding, I mean, Foster and Marble and whoever the other scholarship goes to. It's not like there's going to be a, there's a McDonald's all American who had to set this year out. That's coming into the program. There's not going to be a huge influx of talent. This team's got basically going to be the guys out there playing right now. And obviously Maldonado coming back. So a lot of talk on the board is like, okay, if we're this bad this year with James, I think it's going to be worse next year. Now, I would say we're going to be better. Now, I don't know how much better, but I think we will be better. So well, I'm going to throw out a theory at you and tell me if this is fair. Tell me if I'm smoking the, the ganja. Mm-hmm. So I would say the, the young guys, it's fair to assume that you know, Thompson, Young, Taylor, Porter, that they're going to be at least 20% better than they were this season. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those guys may be 50% better. Some of those guys might not be making any jump. But I think it's fair to assume that freshmen are going to be at least 20% better their sophomore seasons. Mm-hmm. Is that Would you agree that that's fair to say? Yes. Okay. So that's – and then I think that Maldonado can at least give you 80% of what James was giving you. Mm-hmm. So I did I, – I crunched some numbers. So I, I James averaged twenty two point one points on the season. Maldonado at the time of his injury uh, averaged thirteen point eight points. So that's sixty two point four percent of the production that James was giving you. So I think it would be reasonable that he could get up higher than that, especially without playing with James. He'll be the go to scorer. Yeah. So I think he could give you eighty percent of that. Rebounds, he was already giving you eighty percent of what James was giving you. Uh, James was giving me 8.5 rebounds a game. Maldonado was giving me 6.8 rebounds a game. That's 80%. So assist, uh, James was giving me 4.4 assists a game. Maldonado, 2.3, which is 52.3% of the production. Uh, so I think he could reasonably – ball's going to be in his hands more. He'll have more assists. He'll have more turnovers as well. And then steals and blocks, He was they were v- very close in those numbers this season as well. So obviously he could give you the same production next year. So I do think we'll be better. I mean, is that a fair assumption that, or is this a crazy theory I'm on here? Well, I mean, the first thing you think of is, oh man, we're going to miss all those points from James and just some of the things he did. But you know, you also but he wasn't very efficient. 
no, I mean, there were times where, you know, he was our best guy, but then he, he turned the ball over a lot. He did some things, you know. I I, I always respect him as a player because he was one of our greats, and, and that's not No, yeah, that's not not a, not, this isn't a knock on James. Yeah, it's not. But then you look and you say, you see the upside of Maldonado. Can he kind of be our man, our lead scorer, our guy to go to? Could we have a three musketeers type thing where we have, you know, three guys that are going to be reckoned with? Can Thompson step up this year? Uh, this next year and and be that guy that could, you know, can trace young. Could some of these guys, you know, that we've talked about. Yeah. Porter Taylor. Yeah. Some of those guys, can they step up and be, like I said, the three musketeers, the three double digit scorers consistently. Um, Hendr- Hendricks is always in there, you know, well, and I, and Banks. You I know, know we're kind of, I mean, we're kind of glossing over Hendricks and Banks. And I think Banks has a immense ceiling like we've yeah. talked about on the show, but I think I was kind of more. We were kind of taking more of a long term. Yeah. But look. I, but I could I could certainly just say I mean like just next year I could see Banks being one of the three Musketeers. Maldonado. I could see Tom Thompson. Being consistent. Could... Yeah, Hendricks is one of those guys where. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's one of those guys. He's just you, kind of a bonus. You can't necessarily yeah. care. I mean, on him, he's going to hit in. you some threes. I don't. I haven't seen his consistency yet. No, he's. But, but I mean, but we could use his nine points a game, you know, and, and all that. But I'm just saying in the long run, yeah, I, I could see Maldonado Thompson, uh, you know, Young being like the three musketeers going down the road, uh, guys that are going to be double-digit scorers. But next year I could certainly say Hendricks. No, I see a lot of young Banks, talent. Banks, Banks impresses me. He's got, he's got some ability there. I oh, just yeah. wish he could just – like you said, when we talk about pulling the trigger, I just wish he could pull the trigger consistently. Yeah, if he was more aggressive, just going to the rim. But yeah. And then, like I said, I think, you know, Foster and Bell as freshmen could be guys that could come in and compete yeah. right away. Well, Bell was redshirting this year. but And those are always coin flips because you just don't yeah, know you never they're going to react to the speed of the game. Uh, so, I mean, there's talk on the board, and we, we're about an hour and 15, so we got to wrap it up. Uh, but, like, okay uh, – if we don't make the NIT or the NCAA tournament next year, you know, Edwards has got to be gone for sure. I don't agree with that. Now, no. I don't, I'm not saying we don't need to see massive improvement, which we do. We need to see massive improvement. But I would contend that if we bring all these guys back next year and you're seeing a young, solid core of Maldonado leading the way and Thompson and Young and Taylor and Foster and Belt and Porter, all these guys are progressing and getting better. And we're competitive in the league. Which what's competitive? Five hundred, a few games under five hundred, even maybe. You know, winning more. You know, what? Do you, I mean, what does it got to be? I don't know. Is it just about progression? It doesn't matter what the record is. I mean, obviously, it matters what the record is somewhat. Yeah. Well, we certainly can't have another eight and twenty-four. Yeah, we can't have that. I mean, I would say you know, progress would be winning twice what we won this year then close to 20 wins even. winning most of our games at home stealing a couple here and there uh maybe teams we you know knocking off some of the better teams um i mean i just see i i don't know i i would never say that there's a ultimate goal like ncaa tournament or nit i mean that's just ludicrous to think that we have to be there next year i mean when have we ever let's that's never say, been yeah, let's the standard just, let's just say we won 16 17 games now by no means do we not we want that to become the standard 
Absolutely. But that has not been the standard. No. I think that the standard that we would want to do is I would want to be where San Diego State has consistently been, where, you know, some of these better teams, even Nevada's kind of climbed up there, uh, you know, that we want to be in that top four all the time, where, where when you play Wyoming, you know that they're one of the best teams in the conference. You better bring your best. Yeah. You know, that when we go to the tournament, we're a factor every time. You know, that's what I think we should be. We should be competing for the conference. We should be competing for the tournament every year where we're when our fans go down, they know we could either win this or it'd take an upset to beat us. And um I, I don't think that's too much to ask for our fans. But to say in one year to flip from eight to twenty-four to making the one of the NIT or the NCAA tournament, I don't know who said that, but that's ludicrous. <laughs> no, and I mean I that would obviously be great to make a big turnaround like Utah State made this year, but that's not necessary to have that kind of jump. Uh, and the one other thing I did want to just mention, so I've kind of seen a, a stark contrast from the message boards that I see. Like, I would almost say 99 out of every 100 posters want to fire Edwards. Yeah. But every fan I saw this weekend that I asked about Edwards, and I asked a good handful, I mean, I wasn't asking everybody, but everyone I asked in person was like, oh, I don't know if you can find him. It's been a tough season, injuries and this, you know, like, so it was more reserved when I saw people on in person than it was on the message board. I don't know if that is just, you know, it's easier to type things out on the message board or, or well, just those are the, I mean, we're all diehards, you know, yeah. those guys was on those messages. We're all diehards and they're yeah. invested. So, I mean, I under, no. understand the fr- frustration, but yeah, you, I mean, I, I respect all the posters on the board and, I mean, you know, we don't always agree. Um, I, I, I know that. Um, sometimes, you know, we always joke. Some people are a little more sunny. Some people a little more gloomy. Sure. Um, some people are all the time one side, you know. But um, but I think what you have to just do is is just realize that that's just a snapshot of fans. And because I'm on the message board doesn't give me any more credence in my opinion than anybody else on the street. Just one person chooses to go somewhere in a forum and put it on there. That doesn't make them smarter. It doesn't matter if you've been posting on the board for 15 years or five years or the first That's your first post. Yeah. Uh, your opinion is built on what you know. And so um, I know a lot of guys that are invested in Wyoming basketball don't even know how to get on the forums. <laughs> so uh, you just got to look at things and just realize that, there is a different consistency of how people feel in every aspect of being a fan, and and they they're all relative. Well, I know we didn't. We probably asked more questions, and we still have more questions than we have answers right now. And certainly, me and Clay could blabber on about this and that, what we need to do and what we need to see for another hour. But it's already been about an hour and twenty minutes, so we better wrap it up here. So, well, thanks for joining us on. Uh, Random thoughts on Wyoming Cowboy basketball this season. Uh, this might be our last show. If there's a, you know, some breaking news or something, uh, we'll definitely certainly have a show. Uh, but we'll definitely look to pick up this podcast next season. We'll probably start a little earlier next season. We we waited to the conference season this season. We'll probably do a preview show next season. But we'll get into all that later. But uh, so thanks again for joining us on this uh, episode of Random Thoughts on Wyoming Cowboy basketball. And as always, go Pokes. And let's let a little Chancey Williams uh, play our way out of here on this show this tonight.
Random thoughts on Wyoming basketball with your host Mark Oberman and Clay Cates. Join us next year when Random Thoughts on Wyoming basketball will be back with more scores, more comments, and more insight in Wyoming basketball. Thoughts on Wyoming Basketball is a production of Jackalope Ridge Media, LLC. All rights reserved. We want to thank the University of Wyoming and Learfield Sports for their support. And we'll see you next year.